Cut Gene Sports is back after a long hiatus. You know, Rohan, it's been a long time since we talked football. Um, haven't talked to you in a while. But 49ers report in seven days. Rookie just showed up. So I guess you guys will find out right now, right after this. Welcome back to another episode of Clash Gene Sports. I'm your host with my main man, Rohan, my co-host. How's it going, brother? Hey, it's going well. Uh, it's been a while for Clutch Gene Sports, but we're back right when it counts. You know, a week out of training camp, and there's a lot to unpack. Absolutely, absolutely. I know it's been a while since we, we've done this. Um, I had some family things to take care of. Uh, lost my grandpa. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, so that's why I was gone. Rohan's been killing it over there. I've been watching his shows. He's killing it. Um, but before we even get started, man, how are you doing? What have you been up to? How's life treating you, man? Yeah, no, I mean, life's been treating me well, as usual. like to remain busy. That's kind of my, my thing. Been working, obviously, this summer for the first time. And uh, going well. Going well, for sure. But the most exciting part about my summer is about to, about to start up. Because like you said, training camp is just one week away, and I have confirmed I'm going to be there all nine days, and it's going to be a fun time. Be sure to stay tuned and uh, make sure you stay updated with Clutch Gene Sports for a full week or really nine days of training camp coverage. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's pretty awesome to hear. I know you're, you're, you're going to be there every day at training camp. I'm trying to make it down there at least two of the days. Uh, depending how my schedule goes, um, working, master's class I'm taking and everything. Don't know if I'll be there more than two days. Um, the plan is to at least try to get there at least um, two days. Don't know how that's going to work, but bear with me. Um, but Rohan will be on ground. Um, I'll also, also have, I'll have Jesse Naylor on the show a few times. He's going to be there a uh, majority of the day. That I, I believe he's there every day except one or two. Um I believe except one. So Jesse will be there. He'll be on the show with us, um, jumping on. Um, busy, busy, busy time of the year. Uh, rookies just reported. Uh, so that's fun. Any rookies that you're like, oh, dang, heck yeah, like they just reported, you're like excited to see? Well, we just heard news about one rookie, right, Terrell Luter. Unfortunately, beginning camp on the PUP, for those of you guys that don't know, that's the physically unable to play list. Luter will not be there uh, this year in, or at least to begin camp, it seems. We'll hopefully hear from head coach Kosh Shanahan on what might be going on there. But without Luter, you've got a couple of uh, rookies to look forward to. Obviously, we've heard a bit about Jair Brown. Um, he's the guy that really the main headline of this of this entire draft, understanding that the 49ers traded up to get him and that he could be uh, the one with the biggest path to playing time in year one. But 
really, the guys who I'm looking forward to are some of the guys who I believe that there's a spot potentially there for them to break into. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the tight ends. I think that there's a spot behind George Kittle that they could break into. How quickly they do so, I think that that's a question. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. I've said before that I believe Charlie Horner will be on the roster week one and be the backup tight end week one just because I think his ability to block supersedes the rookie's abilities to you know get the grasp on the offense and be ready week one. Although I think that that could change as the season goes along. I think the tight ends, though, you've got two of them, right? You've got Cam Latu drafted in the third round, Braden Willis drafted in the seventh round. Those are some guys that you might think about. And then another place where there could be an opening for playing time, although this player could also see his way out the door um, after being drafted in the fifth round, is defensive end Robert Beal. And the 49ers, right, you look at defensive end, pretty thin which is not necessarily the case. They've got a couple of versatile players, guys who can play tackle and end on this roster. And so that's certainly there. But as for defensive end specifically, you've got maybe Austin Bryant, Cleveland Farrell. You've got Nick Bosa. You've got Drake Jackson. Those are kind of the four names. If Robert Beal can really break into that rotation, maybe into the top three uh, or even the top four, He's got a solid chance of making the roster and maybe even making an impact this year. But really depends on how quickly he comes together and what the 49ers think of him as camp goes along. Absolutely. I think you name-dropped a lot of good rookies in the sense of um, who could potentially make an impact. You mentioned the two tight ends. Now, the question is, is there's two good tight ends on the roster in terms of rookies. They were drafted later. uh now, Cameron Latu is more of, a, in my opinion, more of your blocking specialist. Um, Braden Willis is a better route runner. Uh, but the, the reality is, is Kyle doesn't really trust rookies to be thrown to the fire like that. You look at his rookie receivers, he doesn't trust them. You look at um, his running backs, doesn't really play them unless they absolutely blow him away, right? Trey Sermon uh, comes to comes to mind. Ty Davis Price comes to mind. Um, when you take a look at other players from rookie perspectives, corners, safeties, he doesn't start many rookies. Like that's his mo. He'd rather develop you. Your second year is when you take a leap into becoming a starter. For example, Tolano Hufanga, he could have started last year, uh, his rookie year, in my opinion. Last year he takes off. Is all pro second year, right? So realistically, is, is how how many rookies is there a spot to grab quality minutes? And when I look at the roster for rookies, a player I'm most excited about um, is Robert Bill Jr. Um, reason is is he's super athletic. Um, his length, uh, opposite of Nick Bosa, is something that the off the defensive line has missed since D four, in my opinion. The defensive line has been great. Don't get me wrong. But it's not what it was was uh, when we went to the Super Bowl in 2019. That D line was insane. The speed opposite of Nick Bosa has been missing. Now you add a good defensive um, tackle uh, to the rotation, going to be phenomenal defensive line. But if you get Robert Bill to be that rookie who makes a huge impact, phenomenal. Um, other rookies that I think could be an impact player. Uh, 
I, I believe uh, our receiver we just drafted the last pick. I just had his name on the top of my head. Why can I not think of it? You're muted. Ronnie Bell? Bell. I, I, about to, I was going to call him something else. But, yeah, R Ronnie Bell. Um, I believe Ronnie Bell could be an impact guy in the sense of can he return punts, can he return kicks, right? Because you don't, you don't need your return guy to be a starter, right? So can Ronnie Bell impact? I don't know. But that's up there for debate is, hey, can he be your punt returner? He's a quality punt returner. Um, now let's get to a couple of people. I know 49ers throwback's been been a huge supporter of us. Um, if you're going to if you're going to camp, make sure you guys say what's up to Rohan. TC says Anytime. He, be sure to just come through. Be sure to say hi and uh, I, uh, always glad to meet everybody around. Make sure you guys say what's up to Rohan. I'll be there. Uh, I know for sure I'll be there August fifth. I don't know about the other day. Trying to work things out, but I'll probably be there uh, one of those days too. Who got sick for training camp? I know many were struggling because uh, they're sold out. Um, that was they true. did sell out very fast. Um, thankfully for taking season holders, um, who made sure to to snack some up for a couple of us. Greg uh, Khan, Dwelly, and Warner with will no trouble making it through waivers. I agree in in this situation because if you do keep both rookies, I think Dwelly makes it back to uh, the practice squad immediately. I think Warner's the one where you got to worry about a little bit more because he's a better blocker. Um, and teams, yeah. teams need blocking tight ends. Like, you don't necessarily need uh, a receiving a tight back end. Yeah. tight end who can't block, really. Yeah, you, you need you need a guy who could block. So, for me, if you do keep Latu and uh, Jesus, Braden Willis, yeah, if you do keep one of the guys – you have the opportunity to allow one of those guys to, to see if you make it back to the roster. Jesse will be at training camp every day. Bill's the closest thing to we've had since Ford. I agree um, in the sense of ex extremely fast off the edge. Jeez, I could tell I have not recorded in a while because, like, I'm talking and I feel like I'm not even talking. This is crazy. Rohan, you got to lead the way, my man. Yeah, but I mean, you're talking about Robert Beal, right? And I can understand what you mean in the terms in terms of the profile of the player, right? Beal, a guy who, like Ford, you bring in to predominantly be a pass rusher, but he's got solid size to match solid speed, and it's one of those speed rushers, right? When you talk about the 49ers, what have they looked for ever since they've had to deal with D Ford's injury issues? A speed rusher to complement Bosa's power at the edge position. A good one-two combo rather than what the 49ers have been used to, which is more power rushers because those power rushers can also play on the inside where they turn into speed rushers against guards. And so that's the way that they've been approaching the defensive end and defensive line position with players like Samson Ebucom, players like Charles Omenihu with inside-outside flexibility. Now, I don't know exactly if Beal's going to work as well on the inside as players like Ebucom, Omenihu, and even Arden Key have in the past, but he's got solid speed, and that speed is something you can't train. You know, you can train other things, you can train pass rush moves and things like that, but pure traits such as speed and bend, you cannot train them. And so that's where I'm that's where I point out to Beal. Can he really start to 
start to uh, translate those traits into production, at least early on, show glimpses of it. So the 49ers have a reason to keep him on the 53-man roster come week one. That's the big question, but I can understand the intrigue behind him, especially given what the 49ers have had success with in the past with a player like D. Ford, and also their desire to return to a player, or at least to return to some level of player similar to Ford on their current roster. A couple of undrafted free agent guys. I know we're talking about the guys that were drafted, but some a couple of undrafted free agents who, in my opinion, might make a noise noise for themselves. Spencer Wage. Six foot five, two ninety five, at a North Dakota State. A guy that can play in and outside, like like we're talking about right now, right? Robert Bill is a little bit different in terms of he's that speed guy. Well, Spencer Spencer Wade is a guy who can play inside and outside. Played both at North Dakota State. Um, he had forty two tackles for a loss, twenty and a half sacks over his uh, twenty nine starts at North Dakota State. Another guy that I'm really intrigued to watch, um, Isaiah Win- uh, Winstead, a six foot four guy. Um, could run routes. Um, they say he's faster than his forty time. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we'll... his forty time was like four seven. He looked quicker out of his breaks, but again, that's in certain practice clips and things like that. Mm-hmm. Wonder how his game speed would truly be. Yeah, thirteen games last year, he had eighty eight uh, receptions for a thousand yards, six touchdowns. Um, a guy that I really think might make the roster. So. If the 49ers missed on Ty Davis Price for missing on a third-round uh, running back for the second year in a row, um, if he's not the answer, I do think the 49ers end up having a running back that is undrafted make the roster. And the guy I'm talking about is um, Colin LeBourne. No, and not as not uh, LeBourne. Yeah, yeah, LeBourne. I didn't know his first name. I, I know his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin LeBourne. If he makes the roster, I think he's reminds me a lot of Jeff Wilson. Um, watching his tape, he reminds me a ton of Jeff Wilson, five foot ten, two hundred four. Um, last year he rushed for uh, fifteen hundred yards and like sixteen touchdowns. Um, pretty good stats for a running back at Marshall. Um, I think he's going to be the guy that ends up making the roster as an undrafted free agent or making the practice squad. I think he has a lot to prove. And if Ty Davis Price doesn't step up, I do believe that you end up having um, LeBorn on the roster. And then your top backs end up being Christian McCaffrey. You have Mitchell, might be traded. You have Jordan Willis. And then you would have uh, Kalon Laybourne. So essentially, the 49ers probably shouldn't draft running backs anymore if, if Laybourne makes the roster because essentially you're constantly getting good running backs that are undrafted. That's Kyle's MO. Um, I, so that for me, those are the most exciting rookies that I see that are undrafted. And the only reason are is the, there's potential there. I'm not saying they're going to make the roster. But the potential from some of the guys is there. And so that's what I'm excited to see at training camp uh, this next couple of uh, weeks. And one other name I will bring up in the mix, a guy who I saw on Twitter from David Lombardi, um, University of Texas undrafted free agent Deshaun Jameson, defensive back who is, you know, he's a he can play both positions in the secondary not necessarily a flashy player um, when it comes to you know when it comes to the name or anything like that, but a guy who made plays, a couple of PBUs here and there in practice and OTAs and minicamp, and now will likely uh, be called upon for a bigger opportunity with Darrell Luter potentially being injured on the PUP list. That creates some reps for an, for another guy, and you know that's where 
some other players, you know, were able to make another stride last year where they were given some of those second or third team reps being elevated up to the second team on defense and things like that. And so it adds a little more competition on Avery Thomas and also adds a little more competition on Samuel Womack. So there's a there's a lot, a lot, a lot of conver- uh, conversation about Trey Lance in the chat. Um, I didn't want to address quarterbacks until later in the show. Uh, I want more people to be able to tune in to hear the quarterback talk. Um, I, I kind of want, honestly, I really just want to talk training camp, not just the quarterback situation. So it right. allows us to be able to talk the entirety of training camp rather than just focus on the quarterback situation. So if you guys could bear with me, what we will do is we will wait um, to talk quarterback, Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, and Brock Purdy a little bit later. Um, moving forward, um, I want to talk about top players uh, looking to prove themselves, right? Now, the 49ers have, they're going to have a lot of players that come into camp. Um, some are going to disappoint. The year two, year three, some are going to disappoint. It happens every year. Um, but what player comes into training camp and is looking to prove themselves and they put they make a name for themselves and potentially earn a starting job or a, a quality backup position. You're saying like who's kind of my guy kind of to prove for themselves. I think I've got to go. I mean, if you look around the roster, right, there are a couple of players that I believe have an opportunity to do so. And do I believe that they end up proving themselves? That's a different question. But you start an offense. At wide receiver, I'm looking at Danny Gray. I've said it a couple of times. I've said he's a guy who I personally believe is more of a candidate to play a bigger role in 2025. I think the 49ers have their infrastructure at wide receiver to where they aren't really looking. or It's not that they aren't really looking, but I think that Gray's role is going to be limited in the offense again. He's more uh, designed to a special teams or designated to a special teams role before really breaking out in 2025. But who knows if he if his route running is that's the big thing if his route running and the combination of his route running and speed have continued to improve he could give some competition to some of the incumbents given that you know his skill set is way different than the rest of the roster some other players uh top players looking to prove themselves i mean the biggest one arguably the biggest two colt mckivitz and drake jackson those guys mm-hmm. are entrusted or uh, really embattled in starting competitions now with not really a clear backup behind them. The 49ers have confidence in both players. Both players are improved. Both players aren't battle-tested yet. And, you know, they're going up against some strong players on the opposite side. Drake Jackson could go up against Trent Williams at uh, some portions of camp. Uh, and then same, Colton McKivitz could go up against Nick Bosa at some portions of camp, depending on, obviously, their availability. But Moreover, regardless of who they go up against, you're going to want to see them show the glimpses that the 49ers believe that they can show during the regular season in this portion of training camp so that there's some level of confidence heading into the season. Otherwise, the 49ers could dabble in some of that money that they still have, that $10 million that they were probably hoping to carry over to 2024 or use for a midseason move. Might have to use that before the season to try and address some of those holes. I think you named some of the, the, the biggest guys to be able to earn position. As soon as you name dropped um, quality defensive lineman, Drake Jackson, um, as soon as you name dropped a Danny Gray, right away you, you took some of the guys right off my tongue. Like literally I was about to drop those guys and then you said them. Um, so I'm going to go a little different route. Um, I'm going to go Javon Kinlaw, uh, right? A, a top 
pick, the 49ers drafted, and the next thing you know, uh, kind of gets injury bug, hasn't really done much. Now, when you look at his potential dead cap, it's only 4.9 if they were to release him. I don't think that's the case. I think they keep him on the roster. But if they trade him, they save $2.7 million uh, in cap. Now, you take a, a $2.2 million dead cap, but you net something in return. So if he doesn't come out and prove himself, he might be on the move. Um, now, every year we hear, oh, how healthy he looks, how great shape he looks. That's cool. But the play has to match itself, right? Like, at the end of the day, that has to match. Um, another player that I think has a, a really good opportunity um, to earn a backup position or starting position, whether they take over, Jair Brown, a rookie. Um, I think he has a possibility to earn the starting position from our our safety room to Sean Gibson. I think he could earn a starting spot in the safety room um, as a rookie. It's crazy to say, but when you hear what he was doing um, in OTAs and how well he was playing, you kind of want to think, like, can this guy be the starter year one and be mentored by Gibson? I think he can. Another guy I think that has a really good chance um, to earn a, jo- earn a spot is I'm going to name two guys because I think okay. I'm a, these, it goes hand-in-hand hand together. And the reason is, is they're competing for the nickel spot. I think Samuel Womack and – Isaiah Oliver competing for the nickel spot. Now I think Isaiah Oliver has the edge over Samuel Womack. Um, I think he's a little. I think he's uh, better. But for me, I'm gonna go those two. I'm gonna go those two guys being competing. And when we do talk later, I already mentioned something like that. But I'm gonna get to a couple of the questions real quick before we continue. So we have. Do you guys think Bell is gonna be something? Do you think Ronnie Bell is gonna be a player? Um, you talk about Ronnie Bell, and he's uh, he's another interesting case. A seventh-round pick who certainly has traits the 49ers like at receiver, but also is stuck in the position of, do the 49ers go with six receivers? Do they only go with five? And if they go with six, is he going to beat out players that the 49ers already have had a year of comfortability with? My number one guy is Tay Martin, a guy who was in the same position as Ronnie Bell in the last offseason, played well, even that, you know, had a lot of good one-on-one reps, saw good action, but unfortunately was just stuck buried under uh, under the depth chart and ended up being on the practice squad for a year. Bell is a guy who's a seventh-round pick, 49ers. You know, they could see him as their next Tay Martin, and if they want to carry six, go with Martin over Bell this year. And also, there's a good chance that they could just carry five, the same five receivers that they carried from the season, uh, from a season ago, uh, utilizing that third or not third, but that extra roster spot at a different position, you know, where they've had a lot of depth at maybe defensive line, maybe even tight end where you carry both of your rookies. You could use that um, that extra roster spot elsewhere. And so I like Ronnie Bell. And if he makes the squad, that means he had a great training camp because he beat out a couple of other players at the position. I would, though, pump the brakes on having him in my 53-man roster at the moment. I'd probably right now at the moment go with the 49ers carrying the same five that they carried last offseason, understanding that Bell, sorry, not Bell, Gray has inside-outside versatility and that both your top wide receivers are still there. You've got strong starting options, but also strong backup options. And Ray Ray McLeod, who was well-equipped to handle the Debo Samuel role when Debo Samuel was out with injury, and Danny Gray, who still provides value with his speed and different skill set. 
I'll be honest, I don't think he makes the roster. And, and the reason is, is when you I watch Ronnie, Ronnie Bell, right? Yeah, Ronnie Bell. I don't yeah. think Ronnie Bell makes the roster. Um, and the reason is, is I think he's going to be a, a, a practice squad candidate. Um, you do have Tay Martin. Tay Martin provides a little more uh, versatility. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. Um, provides size, six foot three. Um, essentially, when Jawan Jennings leaves, Tay Martin can take that role, um, the big slot, right? So I think Tay Martin has the edge at the moment. Um, now, Ronnie Bell's he's working his his way up a hill. And the reason is, is he's a smaller guy. He's not super explosive. Um, how does he really win? Um, he won a lot 50-50 balls. But is it going to translate? I don't think his 50-50 ball um, win rate is going to translate to the NFL. I think he's going to have to find a way to win in the slot, um, predominantly in the slot, kind of like a Trent Taylor, how Trent Taylor won on a lot of whip routes, a lot of the quick routes. Um, and I don't, I don't think he has that in him after tearing his ACL twice. Um, it's, it's hard to come back from. I believe he tore it twice. I know for sure he tore, tore it once. It's hard to come back from. Um, you see the, the explosiveness. It's not there. Um, and that's why he got drafted in the seventh round. He's a guy who has potential, but it's going to take a while for him to learn how to win in the NFL. And I don't think he essentially makes it um, on the 53-man roster. Looking at the entirety of the rookies, I expect the rookies to always be backups. I don't, I don't, so I, even when you draft a rookie in the first round, unless it's a top notch guy, I don't come into training camp with the expectations of that's my day one starter. One, you want your, your rookies to, to win out um, a, a camp battle, um, to learn what the NFL is like. So, realistically, I'm looking at all these rookies and I see them all as backups. Um, even Jair Brown, the Fortnite is traded up for. Um, he's a backup. Um, and the reason is, is the moment you start handing out positions, the moment roster politics comes into play. And the moment that comes into play, your entire organization goes out the window. And you can talk to people that have been in the NFL. They were better than players on the roster that were drafted in the first round. They get cut. First-round player stays on the roster, even though they were much better. That first-round player ends up becoming completely terrible in the NFL. So for me, my expectation is coming in um, with everyone being a backup and letting them compete for positions. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's also um, the mentality that I believe. What am I expecting from the rookies? I'm not really expecting too much. The 49ers have a set roster, and even the, the guys at the top of the class with third-round picks, right? You're not expecting any of them to necessarily come blow the top off and immediately be a starter. No, but you, you're hoping for the flashes for, uh, that are present during training camp for at least some of them to warrant a spot in the 53-man roster in what is a pretty loaded room in most of the 49ers' position groups. That's what I'm expecting. At least, you know, some of these guys to show enough to warrant earning a roster spot. Whether they do so or not, that's a different story. But that's what I'm hoping for from the rookies. And really, some added juice, some added competition to the mix at several of these position groups. Absolutely. Uh, Potobo Hammer goes on to ask, do you think Jennings could, be, could get cut for one of the rookies? No, I don't think so. I think Jennings is a lot to make the roster. Um, due to his blocking ability, Kyle loves a receiver that can block. Um, He's actually a solid receiver, so I don't think he gets cut at all for any of the rookies. And the only rookie I would, would say would have has a chance to make the roster at receiver is Ronnie Bell. Um, Tay Martin's going into his second year, um, so I don't see him as a rookie. 
but if you consider him as a rookie, I don't think he beats out um, Jawan Jennings either. I agree. I mean, I treat the, the running back position, I treat the receiver position, and I treat the tight end position in this offense very similarly. To get on the field, regardless of what you do after you get on the field, but to get on the field, you've got to have some sense of a blocking capability. That's the that goes with tight ends in this offense. That goes with running backs in this offense on third down, and that also goes with especially receivers in this offense. That's where you see the disparity between certain players and their snap counts, despite the talent they might possess. Jawan Jennings is the epitome of the 49ers in when it comes to run blocking as a receiver. I don't think he can get cut. Now, I do think that he's got the potential to price himself out of the 49ers range once he hits the open market. But I think they're going to especially take um, advantage of his value until that comes. Because remember, he was a seventh-round pick. He's on a one-year $825,000 contract every single year until he reaches the open market, given where the 49ers selected him. And so, uh, except for that last year, I believe, when he's a restricted free agent. But Jawan Jennings, his value for the 49ers at what his current contract is, I think it's too much for them to consider cutting him, especially when you don't have another player like him on the roster that you feel comfortable in giving his spot to. I absolutely I absolutely agree. Um, everyone that is in the chat, watching both channels, go in, subscribe to both channels, um, Rohan's personal channel, the Clutch Gene Sports channel, um, I appreciate it. Rohan appreciates it. A lot of people were asking um, great questions. I, I love it. Um, we'll get back to a couple of your guys' questions in a few. Um, let's go ahead and move forward on what is your opinion on the team's biggest concern? I mean, yeah. I know you might say quarterback. I, I know that that's obviously the, the obvious one. Um but is there any other concerns on the roster that you're like, uh-oh, either depth-wise, starting position-wise, what is a concern heading into training camp where it's like, damn, I think the 49ers should make a move to get a player to compete there? Yeah, I mean, anytime you read an article, right, or anything like that talking about what is the issue with the 49ers and whether they can be competitive, it, it always goes to the quarterback position. Let's put that aside from for, for just right now, and let's see what else is an issue with the 49ers and their the, their roster. My, my, my biggest concern, I've, I've been pretty vocal about it. I don't mind most of the starters. Even McKivitz at, at, at right tackle, even you know Drake Jackson there at edge. I think that that's fine. My biggest concern right now is the depth behind McKibbins. I don't think the 49ers have a feasible right tackle uh, or a feasible backup tackle, let alone right tackle, a feasible backup tackle at all. And there are three to four games that you're going to expect Trent Williams to miss. We don't know enough about McKibbins to know uh, if he's going to have any type of injury history when the season comes along. But do you trust any single player on that backup, uh, on that group of backups to cover Trent Williams understanding that you don't really have the insurance that Mike McGlinchey brought when Williams was out last year. Instead, now you have McKivitz. That's my biggest question because the 49ers, right, their chances of winning the one seed, winning the division, and maybe making the, uh, the playoffs as a wild card team, it's between a matter of three to four games. And I think that that big of a swing can be uh, seen in 
the games that Trent Williams could be missing this season. That's where I'm looking at. It might be a little bit of a different um, area than other people just because it's a backup spot. But I think that that's a serious area of concern that the 49ers need to address before the season starts, or they could be um, seeing some issues if they roll out guys like Matt Pryor or Jalen Moore out at left tackle at certain portions of the season or even right tackle at certain portions of the season. I absolutely agree with you. The tackle depth is very concerning. Um, when you look at it, who realistically is your – in my opinion, I think, I think the starting right tackle is concerning. Um, for me, I think that's a big concern because when you look at it, is Cole McKivitz better than Michael Glinchy? I don't know. I don't think no so. one knows. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think he is either. But when you look at it, the entire most the majority of the fan base thought Michael Glinchy sucked, right? A lot of people thought he sucked. It sucks to say that, but when you take a look at it, if Michael Glinchy sucked and Cole McKivitz isn't any better. How am I supposed to feel confident about him as my right tackle? Now, I get the 49ers may allow guys like Pryor. I know uh, Matt Pryor came in, um, and he's a kind of a tackle in a way. I mean, he's played there a few at, in Indianapolis. Um, but that's concerning if he's your backup right tackle, in my opinion, because – yeah. Yeah, that, he was a starter last year. He wasn't that good. He, no, Ron, let's be real. No, he wasn't that good. Bro, he was terrible. Like, yeah. as much as I hate talking about, like, last year, he was not good at all. Like, when you put, when you throw on the Colts tape, he was constantly getting beat. Constantly getting whatever quarterback was behind center killed. Uh, now, is there, can he improve? Absolutely. But I don't know how you improve that fast um, within a, within the offseason. Um, now, it sucks talking about players like this because I, I normally don't talk about players like this. Um, I, I usually talk highly of most players. But the depth at right tackle just isn't there. And for me, that's a major concern. Now, I know a lot of people in the in the chat have mentioned, um, what about the, uh, edge or I think defensive end too. I actually think defensive end is actually very solid because when you take a look at it, right, I'm going to name a couple of players that could play outside opposite of Nick Bosa. Drake Jackson, Kerry Hyder, um, uh, Clean Farrell, Spencer Wage if he potentially makes the practice squad and anything happens. Um, you keep looking. You have guys like... Uh, You're saying those inside-outside guys overall? Yeah, yeah, Robert Beal. Like, so there's a lot of guys at the edge position that are capable of playing the edge position. They're all they, – I absolutely agree with, with Gregus. They're unproven. Absolutely, they're unproven. But I think uh, Farrell, has, has been, he's a solid, solid backup. I don't think he's a starter in the NFL, but he's a solid backup, and that's not – that's it's true. He's, a, he's been proven to be a, stol, a, solid, a solid player in the NFL. Now, if Bosa goes down – Knock on wood, there's a huge issue. Um, but I think there's... I think that that you can say this year obviously a lot more than most. But you can say if Bosa goes down, the, there is a significant decrease regardless in the 49ers defensive line in most years. But to add to the, to to the question about defensive line, 
I do want, because Armstead has come out and said that he hasn't been asked to play defensive end at all. I do wonder, though, are they going to at least experiment with it at some portion in training camp? Because he could be a base down, um, you know, defensive end, a guy who can seal the run because he's a he's an athlete at six seven. Obviously, his size portrays him better as a defensive tackle. I mean, we've seen the production at defensive tackle compared to end, and um, I think that it's possible he fully plays a defensive tackle as well uh, as expected, but. Would be interested to see do they play him at defensive end and allow some of those defensive tackles to get on the field more javon hargraves obviously there but you've got a strong group of depth at defensive tackle you've got kalia davis a guy who the 49ers are high on you've got javon kinlaw who for the first time in his entire career is going into an offseason with the actual ability to play in the entire offseason coming off injury free then you've still got your guys like kevin givens carrie Hyder, mm-hmm. guys who could start on other teams. Givens is a starter on a lot of other teams. He's able to come back on the forty to the 49ers because of that undrafted free agent mm. status. So I don't I th- think so. You don't? Think I don't think he's a starter. No, no. Only because of the, the. So he's a good um backup, and the reason why I say that is in the like the game, way that I view bad. starter is he a top sixty four defensive tackle in the no. NFL? You don't think so, guys? No. The reason is the reason is, is as a run defender, he gets eaten up a lot. Um. That is true. That is true. So uh, me, okay, it, actually, in that case, he's more of a rotational defensive uh, tackle. He's got good value as a rotational defensive tackle because he is small. He's like two hundred and ninety pounds. He's smaller, and so that doesn't bode well in the run game. But he's quicker uh, than interior guys, which helps him in the pass game. Yeah, I, I want to say he's less. Last time I checked, he was listed like in the two eighties. So he's even small, like two eighty five, two eighty seven. So he's a small guy now quality backup he's getting and getting after the quarterback in my opinion but if he's my starting defensive tackle we're gonna struggle against the run because when he's in the game a lot of teams kill 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 and they run the ball um right at him he's a guy he's easy to move um so for me depth is there along the defensive line but it just depends on where they see players fit now i get if they think uh feral is predominantly outside and not moving inside because he's a small he's lighter like 265 so i can see if they're hey you know what he's our guy that's predominantly outside with drake jackson and robert bill if that's the case it's solid it's a solid uh outside edge rusher room but if one goes down it could be concerning the only good thing is they have depth with guys like javon hargrave eric armstead like the depth of the D-line is extremely deep. Um, Greg does state uh, Forrester says McKivitz is better pass pro. Um, yeah, and, um, I, I get that. I, I totally understand. But it's like me saying I'm one of the best players or one of the best podcasters out. Like, it's not – it's not – like, that's me just speaking highly of myself and not necessarily mm-hmm. uh, saying the truth, right? Like, that's co- – in my opinion, that's coach talk. Um, and the reason is is – when you look at what Forrester has said previously in the past about players, he said in the past, uh, uh, McGlinchey was amazing. He said uh, year one, Aaron Banks was was uh, struggling, ended up being really good. So like realistically, like I don't know, I don't know how to take what he's saying uh, without a grain of salt. So like, everything I he, a coach says, you I got to take it with a grain of salt because I don't know if it's coach speak or if it's him just 
saying it because he truly believes it. Um, and when I watched McKivitz yeah. in the past, he struggled in pass pro. So it's like, I don't know. We'll see, though, because obviously the toughest thing to project is guys that you don't really – the guys behind the scenes, right? You don't really know what the work is being put in. You don't really know the development that has been made um, or the strides. And so that's where a lot of people have been quick to call off former 49ers, Aaron Banks being one, um, and, and guys like that. I'm not going to try and compare one situation to the other just because, you know, one guy panned out doesn't mean the other guy will. But cool, we'll be interested to see. What is truly the the growth? Because I mean, we wa- I watched McKivitz a lot last year during training camp because the the starting tackles did not play. Trent Williams obviously he didn't he play that bad. much, and uh, Mike McGlinchey was returning from that torn quadriceps injury. He was limited, and so you'd see a lot of first team reps between Jalen Moore and Colt McKivitz, and yeah, it wasn't a pretty product. It wasn't. You saw consistent 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 pressure against the quarterbacks and that kind of made the product sometimes tough to watch absolutely i remember that it was a big conversation on you couldn't really evaluate the quarterback competition or the quarterback room and not necessarily the quarterback competition but you couldn't evaluate trey lance and whoever was behind them at the time due to how bad that that offensive line was and it was against backups it wasn't even against the starters most of the time like, there was times where I was at camp, they completely took Nick Bosa out. Um, he wasn't even practicing because they could not do anything um, with their starting right tackles. My man, Throwback, we answered that earlier in the episode. Um, probably like our first topic we talked about. I mean, if McKivick could have started, that's that's impressive. Um, I don't. I think that was more so uh, he could have started because McGlinchey was hurt. Um, yeah. I don't think he could have started over Mavinci. If he um, if he could have, he would have. That's the way that I look at it. Like they um, would have traded him. They would have traded McGlinchey and got got a, a quality pick for him. And we've even heard, right? We've even heard um, some of those conversations before because Mike McGlinchey had an article after he signed with the Chicago Bears detailing his tumultuous career with the 49ers. And San Francisco was, you know, they were very honest with him. It wasn't this past season, but before the injury. They they said that they they they, they might have traded him before you know the year that he got injured in 2021. They said that he was a potential trade candidate before that fifth year option, but then they stuck with him, gave the got the fifth year option, um, or accepted it and essentially uh, carried him on. I think that conversation was more so 2021 than 2022. Um, I think they were going to roll with McGlinchey last year to ride out that fifth year option because it was guaranteed. Yeah, even even if if. if... The thing is, though, is if you talked about trading a player the year before and you have a guy um, in training camp who is shining and looks like he could be a starter at that position, you kind of have to kick the tires. Like, all right, well, if we're going to get rid of him next year anyways, let's get what we can now. But that's that's an interesting enough for another debate. But potential breakout star. Who is the guy, Rohan, in camp that – Steps up is like, whoa, and people are going to be talking about, I think this is the next star on the 49ers. Now, when I say star, the 49ers have amazing players. I can name a, about 10 players on the 49ers roster that are Pro Bowl caliber. Um, so who's the next star on the Niners? This is a good one. I mean, last year, you, you talk about potential stars. You know, a guy who really popped up for me was Jordan Mason, a guy who I was a little higher on. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, from from the jump, really, from day one, he was the guy for me that I, I was like, my eyes were kind of glued upon and things like that. But 
Um, other players, I mean, when you look at who could potentially be that star for the 49ers on this team. Hold on, Rohan, before, before yeah, you go, go for it. I just want to, I just want to, um, just because this is like, this is actually a good point. Uh, when Trent gave his seal of approval, was that him being a good teammate? Who? I believe he gave a seal of approval for McKivitz. So like, oh, McKivitz looks phenomenal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen a player in the NFL straight up say to the media or to anyone, when they think someone sucks, say the dude's trash. The dude sucks. Like I've never seen it. You never will because they're all friends. They're all brothers. At the end of the day, that's the guy he has to go to battle with. Um, you don't want to make any awkward tension in the locker room. So I, like I'm saying, you got to take things with a grain of salt because it could be them backing up their brother. Um, so we got to see when the pads come on and training camp how he does because last year it was bad. Uh, that's all I'm saying is from what I've seen in the past, it was bad. Yeah, and like I said, uh, we don't know exactly what goes on behind the scenes. We or you know, to an extent we know, to an extent we don't. We'll see exactly how he uh, McKevitz can grow um, from that last year, and it comes with reps. But moving on to the you know to that breakout type of player. There are a couple of ways that you can go with this because the 49ers, the, you look at that roster, this entire roster is really, it's it's pretty packed. You know, it's it's got a lot of talent. It's got a lot of proven players. And that's why it's tough to, to crack the starting lineup of this group uh, coming from the outside in just because of how many starters the 49ers are returning from this roster or how many, you know, top tier players that they've got. And so that's kind of where I'm looking at. I think, though, I've got to go, you know, maybe a guy who could break out. Jair Brown is a guy who comes to mind just because I think that there's not, there's a possibility the 49ers, if, if he breaks out, he could start um, uh, over to Sean Gibson. And Gibson kind of plays more of that mental role and then comes in and sub-base packages where the 49ers would implement three safeties maybe instead of three linebackers. I think that that's an option. Some other guys who I believe could break out. I mean, even if you're looking at that linebacker position, there are a lot of names you, there. You go, you go straight for my guys, my man. Go ahead. You're gonna get. I'll, 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 I'll give you the layup. But what I'll say is, you're gonna have a lot of players <laughs> that linebacker position, right? That's a position where the 49ers seem to value it a little more than other teams. Zizel Shire, right? They kept him for so many seasons. They didn't trade him. They didn't look to recoup that value off of Zizel Shire. But instead, they kept him on uh, on the team. And they kind of, you know, they 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 valued those three uh, linebacker packages. And you've got a lot of names. D winners. Jalen Graham, especially. Marceline McCurry-Ball. Warren Burks. All four guys can compete for that linebacker three spot and really compete to potentially be the next guy because I don't know if the 49ers give Drake, uh, Drake Greenlaw an extension after this two years because he could price himself out of the range. He could be a Mike linebacker at, uh, on his next team. And so what this cycle is, is you're consistently looking for guys to compliment Fred Warner. This could be the year where you see one of those guys step up with that hole now placed with Aziz Shire's departure. My man threw an alley-oop to Marcelino McHenry Ball. That's, in my opinion, who's going to be a guy that steps up, uh, shows out, um, is a star, a, a potential breakout star in training camp, could potentially be a starting linebacker. Um, what I seen from him last year in training camp as well as preseason, that's a quality linebacker in the NFL. Now, I'm not saying he's like a legit starting linebacker in the 
he's a quality linebacker, whether it's a backup um, or your third uh, linebacker. Because base package, you don't really play much. He's a quality third backer. Um, I think it's going to be fun to watch him. Uh, he, he was flying around like a bullet last year. Um, I can only imagine how fast he's going to be um, moving around this year. Another guy that I'm expecting to see him. Not necessarily breakout from, but I, I want to see something from. Um, I'm trying to see what he is. Um, I thought he was solid when I saw him and, and get reps uh, in camp last year. Um, Taylor Hawkins. I thought Taylor Hawkins uh, was, was a quality um, practice squad guy last year. Like if, To be honest, watching him get reps over – who was it that was on the roster from Texas? I can't think of his name. Texas A&M. Leon? Uh, Leon O'Neill. Yeah, yeah, Leon O'Neal. So Leon O'Neal was upset that he was, wasn't getting reps, right? But in reality is you're not getting reps because there was guys that were on the roster that were better than him. In my opinion, Hawkins was better. Um, even if you look at Quantrez Knight, that's a guy that could stick around and, and be a practice squad guy or a back end of a roster kind of guy. Now, McCary Ball is my number one breakout guy. Uh, number two, I'd probably go Taylor Hawkins. And if I had to give a third guy, I know you, you like to mention like a couple of guys that are younger, but I'm actually going to go with, um, he's an offensive lineman. I'm not going to go with who 49 throwbacks think I'm going to go with because he, he knows, I think Burford is going to be a pro bowl player. Absolutely going to be a pro bowl player. Um, but the player I'm going with, it's a guy who the 49ers drafted, to potentially be a center, uh, he he's very athletic. When you watch when you watch him, he struggled last year as a rookie, very very mightily. He struggled. In my opinion, he struggled. Shouldn't mm-hmm. have been on the fifty three man roster. Nick Zakel, uh, I think he has the opportunity to seize the day. You go and compete. If he competes at right tackle, he has a chance. Like he really does. Realistically, With the competition there is, yeah. Like realistically, anyone on the roster has a comp- has an opportunity at right tackle. He needs to be the guy that steps up and and is a breakout star in training camp. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to be a star in the NFL. He's going to be the best right tackle. But if you're a star in training camp and you're competing, it gives you an opportunity to. As soon as Colton McKivitz starts making mistakes in the regular season, you're the starter, right? Like that's what like what happened. So, um, shout out to Forty Hunters Jeff. I know you're saying what's up to my man, Rohan. Uh, 400 throwback. Thanks for plugging this. Uh, Spencer Burford will be interviewed by East Coast 49ers podcast Thursday, 6.30 Pacific time. So if it's in the East Coast, uh, they're working late, man. They're working at 9.30 at night while while giving you great content. Make sure you guys check that out tomorrow. Um, Shout out to Throwback for putting that in. Um, Is there any other stars you think might be or breakout stars? I mean, there are a lot of potential candidates, I'd say, just because, you know, certain positions, you, you always have those guys that could break out. I mean, I mentioned Jair Brown, mentioned some of the linebackers and things like that. Uh, breakout stars, I mean, another guy who we can say, same breakout as last year for me, Jordan Mason. Can he take another step and really solidify that RB2 role over Elijah Mitchell? And, you know, the 49ers really like Mitchell. He's extremely efficient when he plays. Question is, 
well how long or how many games will he play in a season that's the big thing and that's why i don't think the 49ers might view this competition as as significantly as others just because they understand that look mitchell's on when mitchell's there we've got three guys who we trust when mitchell's not there it's it's pretty easy the game plan doesn't shift much we just implement jordan mason more but could Jordan Mason make that decision easier, you know, kind of uh, show out a lot in camp, potentially leading to a Mitchell trade with two years of team control left? Or maybe even smarter, given the 49ers injury history, have Mason be the two and Mitchell be the three. That could be another guy. Well, absolutely. I think Mitchell could be a, a trade candidate. Realistically, he can. With, with how frequently he's injured and he's not on the field, what are you really getting from him in the sense of a, a good running back, quality running back, don't get me wrong, but if he's always hurt and you have guys like Jordan Mason, you have Leif Laborn shows up, um, and you have Christian McCaffrey, realistically, how much playing time will Mitchell get? Like that's, right. a, that's a great question Like for the organization to have to have one day um, because if that's the case, then you're having great conversations because you're having um, players show up. Um, the next topic, which training camp battle are you most excited to watch, Rohan? Now, I get it. Everyone's going to say the same one, the quarterback competition. That's it's, – it's the obvious. Everyone's excited about the quarterback competition. Whether you like it or not, you're excited about it. Right. Is there any other competitions that are most exciting outside of that? Because we'll get to that right now. But is there any other positions you're like, hey, that's going to be fun to watch? I, I think that there are a few. I mean, uh, I've said it, right? A lot of positions on this roster are solidified. Um, quarterback, that'll go with however quarterback goes. Running back, you've got your top guy. Receivers, you've got your guys um, there. Tight end, I've mentioned some of the, you know, some of the, some of the backups there. Positions that I'm looking at really, um, and it's interesting because some of the some of the competition or some of the places where you think that there 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 got to be players that got to prove themselves don't necessarily have a battle drake jackson doesn't necessarily have a battle colton kivitz doesn't necessarily have a battle although but you does drake, characterize it like that do you Go think drake it. jackson's competing for that starting uh, job with Farrell? i i think he's competing but i also think he's got a healthy start that's kind of the way that i look at it i think he's competing but i do think that it would take a a bit of a difference you know to 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 a bit of a a bit of a pretty big swing to get it, but then again, if Farrell proves himself as a run defender more than Jackson, there you go. You've got your you've got your you know one two punch where you've got one starting, another uh, kind of sitting uh, as a as a rotational piece. But the way that I'm lo- uh, the place I'm looking at really is going to be um, that safety position because I do think that the 49ers shouldn't run three safety sets as much as, you know, they have in the past, just because I don't think their personnel is the same without Jimmy Ward in the mix. But I do think that that, that grouping could be intriguing in uh, sub packages. But the reason I say that is, well, now without, with uh, obviously Deshaun Gibson in the mix and all uh, Jair Brown in the mix, is there a chance that uh, Brown can eclipse Gibson and, you know, you have your two starting safety package with Brown and Hufanga, guys who the 49ers are looking to kind of pair together for the future as their starting safety unit. I think it's a phenomenal competition because if you get a starting safety um, in Jair Brown, 
phenomenal. Like, you can't ask anything more for drafting players in the third round. You usually want them to be starters. Expectations for them to be a solid backup to start. Um, but Greg has took my my camp competition. Um, he, in the chat, goes out and says Feliciano versus Brendel. Um, I think Jake Brendel is actually competing for a starting job um, with John Feliciano. Um, now, when you look at Jake Brendel, quality year last year. I know a lot of people were uh, – I've had arguments with a lot of people in spaces on Twitter uh, stating like, oh, Jake Brendel was phenomenal last year. He was a top five center in the league. Top five center, like, when you look at stats for center, like, the thing is, is when you look at stats for offensive linemen, like, how do you really dictate that stat? Like, right, like, there's no legit way to look at an offensive lineman besides watching the tape. And the way the 49ers structured his extension, they gave him a four-year, $16 million extension. But realistically, it's a one-year, $2.7 million deal. Like, if you look at it, he, they have an out in 2024 – that would eat $2.7 million. Now, well, actually, no, no, I should say a, two, a one year, uh, pretty much like 6 or $7 million. Uh, the reason is because of the the dead cap that they would eat um, next year, which is two point seven. So two point seven and 2.2 this year, what is that? Uh, Rohan, you're good at math, $5 million? Like 4.9? 4.9 million, yeah. So, I mean, there's a reason that they structured the deal that the way they did. Uh, everyone, like, it's interesting, right? Everyone will look at a four-year, $20 million deal. Oh, wow, he's a, he's a long-term. Got paid. He's, he got paid. No, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes, usually when it goes to a four-year, $20 million deal, you see $8 million guaranteed. That normally means two years are guaranteed. But even the 49ers, if they wanted to, they could get out of this one after one. More likely, they keep him on the roster for two, even if the second year might not be as a starter. We'll see how it goes. But Brendel, he he's he's kind of locked in for two years. But I, I I wouldn't be surprised, right, if Feliciano is at least presented with the opportunity to compete at center because he signed a two point two five million dollar fully guaranteed deal, and it seemed like when he first talked with the media that the, he was under the impression that he was going to be able to compete, that it wasn't just for a backup spot. He was going to be able to compete. And that's what that deal indicates of $2.25 million fully guaranteed. At least being able to compete, be it at right guard or center. Center seems a little more viable for him to compete at, you know, just because some of the other players on the 49ers roster might be suited at guard. Zakel had snapping issues last year, might be a better guard. Um, Jason Pose there, he played a lot of guard last year, didn't really play much center. And so you're looking at, you know, some of the backups um, uh, at that center position. Feliciano fits right in there, especially without Brunskill. Feliciano fits right in and can be one of those versatile pieces for sure. Yeah, I think they definitely compete for that starting position. I mean, Feliciano came in for a reason. Now, did he come in to play center? They put someone else at guard and put uh, Burford at right tackle? I mean, Burford played tackle in college. Like, I would not mind. Me, we'll see. The, yeah. The most interesting thing for me going into camp that I'm most excited about is to see if they do put Burford at right tackle at some point. We hinted at that all of last year. The opportunity for Burford to play tackle once McGlinchey left hasn't come to fruition necessarily yet, but I wonder if they they try and see, you know, the cards that are being dealt uh, to them, try and play that hand. I mean, when you look at guard, they have so many guards on their roster. If you you, Honestly, if you look at Jalen Moore, in my opinion, not a tackle, he's a guard. Uh, Nick Zakal, 
center or a guard, whatever you prefer, Matt. Could potentially play tackle. That's what he played in college, but he's more suited to play inside. Uh, Feliciano has played guard in, 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 during his career. Um, Jason Poe. Um, Bre- uh, Brendel could even play guard. Like, if Feliciano started at center, Brendel played right uh, right guard. You essentially move out Burford to right tackle. Honestly, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if they move him outside because we've hinted at it all off, uh, all last year. Uh, no, I do think wherever Burford's playing, he's eventually going to be a Pro Bowl player. That's how good he is. Um, I said it from the first day I saw him. All last year, he was phenomenal. Um, so I'm not concerned about that. Now, the quarterback situation, I know there's a ton of questions going on in the beginning, um, a couple of them from 49ers throwback. Um, so the first one he asked was, Trey Lance is looking good. We will see a different Trey Lance, according to Jeff Christensen. Um, I guess working with him and Mahomes has paid off. Um, the crazy part is not only did Jeff Christensen say this, there's actually another quarterback coach out there who uh, was talking on, at a sports con in, in Dallas, Texas on a podcast. Um, and he was talking about how you could develop accuracy and this, this, and that. And then he was going on talking. Is Dak Prescott, one of Dak Prescott's coaches, as well as Mahomes. He works with Mahomes a little bit too. And he goes on to say the 49ers have something in, in Trey Lance. Like, he talks about Trey Lance, and he's like, what I've seen with him with uh, Christensen, he, he's a good quarterback. Like, they got something in him. Mm-hmm. Um, that was intriguing for him to say because he didn't have to, like, the the topic wasn't even about Trey Lance. Like, if you watch the entire, it's like, like a 10-minute video. Um, if you're watching the video, it has nothing to do with about Trey Lance. And at the end, he's like, hey, you know what? Actually, talking about uh, quarterback situation and quarterback stuff, Jeff Christensen's done phenomenal work with, Trey Lance, and he looks phenomenal, um, which is interesting to see um, because Jeff Christensen also said that. Um, so what are your thoughts on, do you think we'll see a different Trey Lance, or do you think it's going to be the same Trey Lance we've seen in the last couple of years? I mean, everything points to being a different quarterback, right? Different Trey Lance, and this it's not even just these comments. It's the fact that uh, Shanahan and his teammates have said that he's going to be a different, that, you know, he looks different. A lot of support has come out of the uh, behind uh, Trey Lance from certain teammates and certain teammates that you might not necessarily expect given pre, uh, previous history with teammates and quarterbacks and things like that. And so, you know, Trey Lance, he's looking good. It's it, at least it seems, and it's it all depends on what he does on the field. Really, that's the most important thing. How how is that accuracy going to be? Because that was the number one question mark when it came to Trey Lance. How how consistent can he be? And how, you know how many how many reps can he get really that's uh kind of where i'm i'm kind of viewing it but it seems like he's going to be a different quarterback and that's where i'm excited what kind of different quarterback does that mean and obviously he's looking to uh prevail more as a pocket passer especially with the offense the 49ers are implementing right now throughout the offseason seems like good steps so far and that sets up for him to have a solid performance when training camp time comes so I think you were talking about the, the, the teammates liking him, right? Like how you said a little bit, you kind of hinted at that. Uh, I don't back. know what I was saying. Don't know what I was saying. But, um, yeah, I mean, there were some interviews out there recently that uh, <laughs> were supporting him. It's, some players support him, I guess. So he's part of the boys now. That's what it, that's what it sounds like. Um, nah, we can't. So but, yeah. You, you thought, so Kyle Yusek Kyle did say he was like, he talked about his, the person, the person, Trey Lance, didn't talk about the player. He was like, we love Trey Lance, the person. Like, I don't know why people were mentioning in the offseason 
that we don't like him. That's why he's not with us at the uh, Warrior playoff games or Warrior games or whatever. Like that, to be honest, like that was always a weird conversation going on. Like, right. Um, have you ever thought heard that some people just don't like hanging out with other people? Like Trey Lance is twenty three; those other guys are thirty one. Like, does he really want to go hang out with them? Like, is that really? I'm pretty sure he would rather go rehab and then go to the strip club. Um, I mean, that's what he's done in the past, so I, I don't know. Um, but that's funny. I'm excited to see his new and improved throwing mechanics, um, whether that is displayed or if it's not. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think the competition at, at quarterback, Rohan, um, there is going to be a competition. Now, how much of a competition is there of going into training camp? Now, we're seven days away. Right now, in, within seven days, I don't know if Brock Purdy is going to be ready to go first day of training camp. It does not sound like it. Hey, he could he could completely surprise us. He could be ready day one. Um, it seems like he could also be placed on the PUP. I know somebody brought that up uh, earlier today. What do you think whoa. about that? Who mentioned that? Because that's, that's actually interesting. Because he could be removed off the PUP at any time any during moment. training camp. And essentially him just being on the PUP gives the 49ers an extra roster spot to use when training camp begins. So I, I, I thought that, that was an interesting idea because – Right now, I mean, if we're talking Purdy, about the earliest de- timeline that Purdy has been um, allotted, it's August 21st. That is well after training camp. That is uh, between the second and the third preseason game. So wouldn't be surprised. Uh, that would be uh, an interesting move if they just really shut that window down and allow him to come back, um, you know, during during around that August 21st timeline. Obviously, Shanahan and all have talked about him potentially being there at training hmm. camp, which was their hope. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised also if they don't place him on the PUP, but then don't play him the entire training camp either. So for the PUP list, do you have to be, uh, injured during the off season or is it, are you able to be, uh, cause I thought it was like PUP players is, are, they're physically um, unable to perform, but I know there was like, um, uh, last time I had read something where I could be completely wrong, completely off, but last time I had read was. Uh, usually when guys get injured in uh, off season, is it so like, for example, if he gets hurt last year, is he able to be on a PUP list or does he have to be on the roster? That is a good question. That is a good question. Um, if I don't know exactly if last year counts, but I'm pretty sure that it like off season injuries is where the PUP comes into play. Like for example, Darrell Luter, he got injured. It seems between uh, the end of OTAs and uh, the start of training camp, or maybe even during OTAs. That's where it warrants him being on the PUP rather than the NFI list, which is if he got injured during college. But I think the PUP extends to uh, a case like Purdy's. I'm not exactly sure, but I think it extends to a case like Purdy's where he was hurt throughout the offseason and now is coming back and uh, is still unable to play. You're right, because right now I I looked it up real quick, and it was like, for example, uh, players that could already be on the PUP list. So it mentions uh, Ryan Shazier from – the Pittsburgh Steelers week 14, mm. how he had that um, spine injury, right, the, the back um, injury. Yeah. Immediately he was put on the PUP list. So like for the next year, so automatically if a player is injured um, the previous year, they're automatically pretty much will be put on the PUP list because they have to pass physicals in order to practice in a camp. So he might automatically be placed on the PUP list. If he does not pass his physical uh, when they report to camp. So that like, I'm curious on if that's why it was mentioned. I don't know who threw it out there, but I'm curious if that's why if that's why it was mentioned of being put on the PUP list. But 
interesting. So Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, they're for sure going to be there day one. Um, we don't know about Brock Purdy yet, but how do you think the snaps get broken up into uh, – in the past, we've seen Trey Lance take all the ones. We've seen Trey Lance split ones. Um, what do you think is going to happen day one? Because realistically what should happen is different than what is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, regardless of what you think should happen or not, I don't think the 49ers deviate from their current plan. Um, I think it's going to be a healthy split one day, one quarterback, another day, another quarterback. Um, you know, it, it's a way to for the 49ers to also get some of the questions off um, off of them in regards to the quarterback position because they're continuously evaluating the two options. I think right now Lance would likely start day one. Um, that's kind of been my take. I just think right now, I mean, he's ahead in the playbook. Darnold has been open about him saying he's still in a somewhat of a catch-up period. So I'd say Lance is ahead day uh, on day one, but I think that it's going to be an even split of first-team reps. One goes one day, the next goes the next day. And if they're going to do a competition, which I don't know if I agree with necessarily, this is the way I would do it. I wouldn't do it where you split one reps on the same day. That's just a stupid idea. I hated it when they did it with Brendel and Burford, or sorry, Brendel and uh, Brunskill last year really just disrupted the chemistry. Allow that chemistry to develop over a whole day, not over the course of three to four plays where you're implementing a certain uh, certain package and things like that. I, I prefer it one, 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 even if that's not the best ideal scenario in my eyes. I absolutely 100% agree because when you look at um, the quarterback situation, in order to to get continuity um, with your receivers, going every four reps does not help, right? Like getting a solid day of practice, getting every rep with those guys, uh, whether it's the ones. And I know the way Kyle splits ones and twos with receivers, tight ends, you're essentially not playing with the ones at all. Like, mm-hmm. it, like. So the way it works for those who, who don't go to camp is, for example, you could have the starting offensive linemen uh, mix in with a few backup offensive linemen, depending on if Trent Williams participates right away in a, uh, a training camp. Um, but receiver-wise, with with that starting offensive line, you could have Ronnie Bell running a route. Like, it just – they mix them in constantly um, to keep their legs fresh. Um, so you may see Trey Lance throwing to Ronnie Bell. You may see Sam Darnold with the ones throwing to Ronnie Bell. Like, realistically, it's just a um, matter of who goes first and then who goes second. Um, but I think, realistically, um, you drafted this player third overall. Um, I think you drafted him for a reason. Give him every first-team rep possible, right? Like, realistically, why, it doesn't really help you if you're giving Sam Darnold first-team reps with the ones because he doesn't even really know the playbook. Like, he's said it himself. I'm not fully comfortable with the playbook. Why not give Trey Lance every single rep, well, ones, reps with the ones, until Sam Darnold feels very confident running the system? Now, the moment he feels confident, by all means, split the reps. I don't care. Whoever's winning the competition is winning the competition. But I think you have to give it to Trey Lance the first couple of days until Sam Darnold feels, okay, I, I could run this. Usually the first day is simple install, so Sam Darnold should be able to run it. Um, but as you get deeper into training camp, you, Kyle starts expanding his, his playbook, his, like, what they've installed. So I'm very curious to see how they um, split the reps or the days. Um, very interesting moving forward. Yeah, and my last comment really on the quarterback situation, I know it's um, 
uh, number one uh, priority is his health. But I'd really like to see Brock Purdy participate at least a little bit in this training camp. Just see, you know, the product that he can put out on the field at the moment and hope, you know, it, it, him being out there on the field would be the best sign, obviously, of recovery at this stage. Really just want to see him being implemented a little bit, at least, in training camp, if his health permits for it. Would it so now I'm going to ask you because I know you're, you're done you're done talking about it, but I have to ask you this follow-up question is, would you be concerned if he does participate in training camp and he doesn't look good? No, I mean, not really. Um, I, I would expect it off as much rust as he'd, he'd give. I'd give him the same leeway I'd give the other quarterbacks, just, uh, you know, the opportunity to grow as, uh, as, as the offseason goes on. And, I mean, I know we've had this conversation before, and I, I've kind of floated out the question, if it's later in the offseason, right? This is training camp where you still have a month or so away from the actual start of the regular season, a little over a month. My my bigger concern is if he starts, you know, practicing um, around the day that he's expected to, that August 21st date where it's th- two, three weeks out. And, you know, he, he looks rusty when he comes back. He doesn't look, uh, you know, um, fully like himself yet. What do you do when week one comes around? I'd still assume they go with Purdy, roll with the punches, and, um, you know, allow him to play through those uh, play through those growing pains early on, just given the confidence they have him in. Uh, they have in him from the past, but would hope that that learning or not learning, but those growing pains that curve begins earlier than later. If the 49ers intend to fully um, bring Purdy back by week one. Absolutely. So if, so I, I know um, you got to go cause you have, you have another show at six right now, but so for me, the way I see things is if Purdy does participate and he's not looking well and Trey Lance is, hypothetically Trey Lance or Sam Darnold, I'm not going to say just Trey Lance, or Sam Darnold are absolutely lighting up training camp against the ones or and stuff like that. There's going to be chatter. There's going to be stuff going on, and it depends on how they, they handle the situation. Uh, could either be a great thing or it could be a terrible thing for the 49ers because you have a lot of noise. You make the wrong move. Like I was mentioning to one of my buddies yesterday, if Kyle Shanahan goes with uh, Brock Purdy week one and he's not fully like ready to go and he's, he's rusty and he struggles the first four four weeks or first three weeks of the season, the 49ers fan base is going to be calling for the next quarterback in line. Like You literally signed Sam Darnold to be a quality player who could win games. If, if Brock Purdy's struggling, fans are going to be calling for the next guy in line, whether it's Sam Darnold or it's Trey Lance. So whatever, cho- whatever option or whatever choice – Kyle Shanahan makes it better be the right one because you cannot go back to to Brock Purdy if he starts week one and starts to struggle and you go to the next guy the moment you go to the next guy you cannot go back to your first option in my opinion because the moment you do that you're playing a little carousel with the quarterback game it gets shaky that's where you lose locker rooms and that's all I'm going to say from here from here I know you don't want to comment on the quarterback situation anymore but that's where you lose locker rooms I know you got to go to your next show, Rohan. Uh, make sure you guys go watch Rohan. He's going to be talking with um, Raj from Our SF 49ers. They're going to be do- – uh, are you guys on your, your podcast? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're going to be on, on um, Rohan's personal channel. Make sure you guys go subscribe to Rohan's personal channel. Stick around for the next uh, about hour or so. Rohan will be going live right away around 6. Um, make sure you guys come to Clutch Gene Sports channel. Hit the subscribe button and then go right back to Rohan's channel. Uh, appreciate yes, everyone in the chat. Rohan, thank you, brother, for 
doing an amazing episode with me, my man. We'll be at, I know you'll be at training camp, um, but we'll be going again, talking 49ers uh, as they keep going. Hopefully we do another one this week, my brother. Yes, sir. Alrighty, everyone. Thank you, guys. Peace.